The following audio is from Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. And Steve's dad came, moved from Iowa with the family in 1980. And so uh, our lives have been intertwined ever since then. And uh, Steve's dad's in heaven now, but if you want to know what Steve's dad looks like, look at my dad. Uh, we, we literally could be cousins, and we're both from Iowa, so maybe we are. Well, it's hard to say. Uh, Steve uh, and Julie, his wife, Julie, wave at everybody. Julie's sitting right here. Steve and Julie, they were both kind of grew up at Emmanuel, and uh, none of the other girls would date Steve, so Julie had to. Uh, she, has, she has the gift of mercy. Uh, they've been married 29 years. Uh, Steve joined the uh, Marine Corps. Marines? One. Five. Lad. That's we right. have Lad. That's right. Uh, so he uh, served five years, uh, did a tour in Iraq, uh, culminating in the rank of major. He came back and served his 11 years for Yellowstone County's deputy sheriff. And uh, now he's been on our staff for 10 years in September. And he's done a variety of things for us in terms of satellite churches and church planning and now executive pastor. And I know that you will listen for God's word for you through Pastor Steve this morning. Pastor, we're delighted that you're here. Give him a round of affirmation. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Tyler, we're beginning our series here in uh, our priorities. Why, why things are our priority. And Pastor Tyler did a great job uh, preaching on why multi-generational ministries are a priority for us. And so I encourage you, if you weren't here for that, was anybody here? How many of you were at the 8 o'clock and now this is the second service? All right, there's a few of you. All right, very good. All right, no fair comparing us. All right, just... Just say, all right, I don't, you know, I, he did a great job, and uh, it's going to be hard to follow up in his shoes, but uh, I'm talking about uh, the priority of unity, and I come to you with, uh, hot off the presses, a headline out of Ellensburg, Washington, okay? Uh, and it says, the Lord seems to be blessing local church plant Koinonia Fellowship since its founding, but under the surface, dangerous rifts were deepening among church members, leading to an ugly public split last week. The debate reportedly centered around the optimal way to brew coffee for Sunday morning services, with traditionalists remaining staunchly in favor of the bun automatic coffee brewer that had been used for the past three decades, and the younger revolutionaries advocating for uh, the controversial use of the Keurig pod-based coffee machine. Serious stuff, right? Uh, Here's one of the deacons says, some of the things worth... Uh, Some things are worth fighting for. These young kids don't know how much blood was shed for the central doctrines of faith, like the large-volume automatic coffee machine. Uh, Plus, brewing all the coffee together in one pot reminds us of the unity purchased for us in Christ's blood, right? Hank and his supporters just don't get it, youth pastor Alexander Jordan said as he sipped a uh, a cup of hazelnut-flavored black coffee. Each Keurig pod brewed is like a snowflake, unique, wonderful, and just like each member of the church, right? It's a beautiful picture of our mosaic-like unity through diversity, he added. 
This disagreement, uh, this disagreement came to a head Sunday night as traditional coffee supporters narrowly defeated the resolution to toss the old bun machines and replace them with the all-new Keurig 2.0 brewers. Voting church members cited a watery, plastic-like taste and wasteful distribution model as key factors in deciding to remain with the old models. As expected, the vote rocked the church congregants with Keurig supporters splitting off to uh, launch their own church in a neighboring industrial park and an even smaller splinter group of pour-over-coffee purists beginning their own house church. Uh, Of course, that is just funny, right? That was from the Babylon Bee. I don't know if you're familiar with the Babylon Bee. It's just a a satire site. It makes fun of church things. And... uh, it just highlights the, the fact that sometimes we as churches, we lose focus and unity is not our priority. And we begin to argue about silly things like coffee. And so I'm, my topic today is why unity is our priority. And disunity in the church is nothing new. It's, as long as there's been a church, there's been this uh, fight, uh, uh, disunity within the church. We read in Acts uh, Luke records that uh, in the very beginning, the, the Greek widows were, felt like they were being neglected. And so there was disunity there, which led to the, the formation of deacons. Um, in almost all of Paul's letters, when he writes to the church, one of the themes that you'll find in his letters is unity. Because the, the first churches you got to understand, they were multi-ethnical, multi-generational churches. And so you had people from various backgrounds coming together to form the church. And so there were as many people as there were, there was as many opinions as there were out there. And so how do we come together and form a unified group? Well, I want to say that um, uh, unity is our priority because it's Christ priority. And we're going to see that here in just a few minutes. As a matter of fact, it was such a high priority for Christ that he died to unify us with God and with one another. So how high a priority was it for Christ? It was the ultimate priority. He died for it, okay? And so let's see what God's Word has to say about why unity is our priority. Uh, This is going to be kind of a Bible study. We're going to be all over the place, right? And so the first thing I want you to see is unity is our priority because God is unified. If you turn to uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 4, it's a famous, famous verse. You probably recognize it. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Um, The children of Israel had come to the promised land. They rebelled against God. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They're about ready to try and go back into the promised land. And Moses gives them the law again. And he reminds them... um, you know, of the experience that they had the first time when God actually spoke out loud to them from the fire, from the cloud, and it scared them to death. And they said, this isn't right. I, we don't want to experience this ever again. You can speak, Moses, you talk to God and you tell us what he says and we'll do whatever he says. And they were so fearful. And so he's reminding them of, the, of that. And he comes and he says this. And here's what God told Moses in uh, verse 4, Deuteronomy Uh, Chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is 
one. There's only one God. And he is unified, all right? So we, we believe in the Trinity, right? There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but he is one. How does that work? I, I don't know. I'd like to explain it to you, but I don't understand it, right? He's three, but he's one. And he's unified in everything that he does. He's unified in his thought, in his purpose, okay? And we find it throughout Scripture. It's not just here. Uh, if you go to Galatians 3.20, Paul says, Now an inter- intermediary implies more than one. But he continues on and he says, But God is one. Right? We've been studying in Hebrews about the, Jesus Christ as our intermediary, right? But it kind of seems funny. If God is one, God the Father and God the Son are the same, why do we need an intermediary? Again, I don't really understand it, but he's one. And he acts as our intermediary with God, right? Um, he, he writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, he says, There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The writer James in James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. The thought that God is unified makes the demons shudder, that there is one God and that he is unified, and he's unified in purpose. And we can see this when we look at our world today. We see that when creation, creation is unified. There's no division in creation. If we look at creation, everything works together in perfect harmony. And as a matter of fact, when we mess things up, say, you know, when we overhunt and we kill all the predators in one region, what happens? It throws, it throws the balance off, right? And so there becomes an overwhelming pest problem, right? And so creation is unified, and everything God does is unified. And he has one main purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God. Everything he does, you want to know why God does what he does? Everything he does, he does to bring glory to himself. When he created heaven and earth and all the stars and all the galaxies, he created it to display his glory and to bring himself glory. When he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, he didn't do it for us. He did it to bring glory to himself. So what does that mean for us? That means uh, unity is our priority because God is unified. And so we should live in unity with God's purpose and his design. And this is where we get, this is, this is what we call sin. When we don't, when we live outside of God's purpose, when we're not unified with God, and we live outside of God's design, that is sin, right? And so it's just, a simple illustration is we are not designed to, to breathe water. If you go outside of God's design and you stick your head in a bucket of water and you try and breathe and you inhale, what's going to happen? It's not going to work very well. You're going to cough and you sputter, and if you do it long enough, it will kill you, right? And so when we go outside of God's design, when we go outside of God's purpose, it's bad for us. And so unity is our priority, and we should live in in unity with God and his purpose. That means our lives, everything we do, Paul says it this way, whatever you eat or drink, do everything to the glory of the Lord. 
How does eating and drinking bring glory to the Lord? Well, it brings glory to the Lord because it's the way he designed us. When we eat and we drink the way he designed us, it brings glory to him, right? When we go outside of that, when we, uh, you know, if we have an eating disorder and we don't eat or we binge and we purge, that's outside of God's design for us. It's bad for us and it will eventually kill us. Right? So we must live in unity with God and his purpose. And so this brings us to the second major point, uh, is um, we all fail to do this at some point in our lives. We all fail to live in unity with God's design and his purpose, and we go outside of that. And so we must be reunified with him. And so the next thing is our unity is our priority because Jesus died to unify us with God and with one another. This is the reason he came. He came to reunify us with God. Turn with me to uh, Ephesians. Back in the New Testament, Paul writes um, to the church at Ephesus. And again, almost every uh, letter that he writes to a church contains something about unity, encouraging us to maintain unity and showing us how to be unified as a church. So, in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 11, uh, starting in verse 11, he's writing, and he's going to tell uh, the people. Uh, and the, the church at Ephesus is, again, it's a multi-ethnical church. There's Jews there, there's Gentiles there, there's Greeks, uh, there's Romans. And so they come from all different backgrounds of life. And he's writing to them, and here's what he says to them. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles. So he's talking to the Gentiles, all right? The Gentile was simply anybody who wasn't a Jew. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Okay, he's He's talking about physical things right now. He's not talking about spiritual things. He wants us to get this. He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about who we are. And this is who we are in the past. And he says, remember that you were at one time. All right, n- note the words he's using here. Separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenant of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. This is our previous state before we come to know Christ. We are separated from God. All right? We are separated from one another. There's division. We're alienated, right? We are uh, without hope. We're strangers. We're without God. All right? This is who we are without Christ. Okay? This is our previous state, and he's going to go on. There's a separation there, and he's going to go on. He says, but now in Christ... Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, in his death on the cross. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, he, or who has made both one. Unification right there. He brings us together and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create why did he do this? How did he do this? He, he, he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God. Why did Christ die? So we could be unified with God. 
both of us, the Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor, the men and the women. He tore down all the barriers so that we both could come together and have unity with God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the, uh, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here we see the Trinity at work, the Spirit, Christ, and God working to to bring us together in unity. Just like the Trinity is in unity, he's bringing us together. He's, He's building, the Spirit is building a place for God to dwell. And he's doing it through his people. So unity is our priority because it is the very reason that God died. It is the very reason that Christ died. And so we dishonor his death when we fight and and have divisions among ourselves. Unity is a high priority. Christ gave his life for it. Right? And I love, the, I love the illustration he uses here. And so we are to live in unity with, uh, with God because of Christ's sacrifice. We have unity with God. And the, the illustration he uses, he talks about a dwelling place. And you think about your house or even this building. And you have all these individual building materials. You know, you got the two-by-fours. You got the floor trusses, uh, the floor joists, the, the trusses, the, roofs, uh, the roofing, the windows, the doors, the uh, electrical wires. All these individual things separately are they're just separate. They're nothing. They're a pile of materials. But when the builder brings them together for a unified purpose to build a structure, to build a house, and he binds them together, with a singular purpose. And that's what God is doing in us. That's what God is doing with his church. He brings us together. We, we make them, I think sometimes we make the mistake that uh, unity is uniformity, and it's not. God loves diversity. You look at his creation, again, the hundreds of thousands of different species of flowers and birds and animals, and he created the mountains, he created the plains, he created desert, he created the rainforest, he created the ocean, he created the beaches. He loves diversity. He creates each one of us unique, and he embeds in our DNA so that each and every one of us is a unique individual, and we have unique skills, we have unique abilities, we have a unique point of view, but he doesn't want us to, he doesn't just love diversity for diversity's sake. He wants us to be unified in his purpose to bring him glory. And so it's not uniformity. He doesn't want us, he's not building us together, and so we all drive the same car, live in the same house, dress alike, have the same hairstyle, talk alike. That's not what he wants. He wants us to be unified in his purpose. And so that's why unity is our priority. Thirdly, we see that unity is our priority 
because it's critical to our success and our continuation as a body. It's, it's critical to our success and continuation. We turn back to the Gospel of Mark. Pastor Paul looked at, uh, at this, these verses uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Mark chapter 3. Turn with me, Mark chapter 3. Uh, he gets accused. This is where Jesus is accused of being Beelzebub, being the devil, casting out demons by the power of Satan. And here's, here's his response uh, in uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 24. Uh, we'll start in 23. And he, and he called to them and he said to them in a parable, how can, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. It's pretty clear what he's saying here, right? No matter the size of the group, whether it's a nation or a household, if it is divided, it will not succeed in its mission, and it will not continue. It can't continue. Division destroys. And so if we as a church want to continue on, and we want to be uh, unified with God's purpose, and we want to accomplish God's mission for us as a church which is to make disciples, right? Go into all the nations, make disciples. That's our mission. That's our purpose. If we want to accomplish that, we have to be unified behind that purpose. All right? And so there are a lot of good things that we could be doing. A lot of good things that we could be doing. But we need to focus on our mission and our purpose, and we need to be unified because this is the mission that Christ gave us. We don't get to pick a different mission. It may be a great mission, but we have one mission, and that's to go and make disciples. And that's where we need to focus our efforts and our, and our unity, all right? When we can disagree about coffee, right? We can disagree about coffee and how it's made, all right? And it's silly, but there's a whole list of things we can disagree about. We can disagree about the color of the carpet. We can disagree, we can even disagree on some things in theology, right? But we can't disagree on the mission. The mission is to make disciples. And if we can agree and we can be unified that that is our mission and that is our purpose, guess what? We can go forward in unity and we will be successful and we will continue as a church for the next hundred years. But if we have disunity and we think our, and we're not unified with Christ and his mission for us, that's what's happening to all these denominations who are declining. They have failed to be unified with Christ and his mission to make disciples. That's why churches close their doors. God's not going to bless that unless we're unified with him and his purpose and his mission. And so unity is our priority because it is critical to our success and our continuation. Right? Can you imagine a, a football team going out on the field being disunified, and they get in the huddle, the quarterback calls a running play. And the rest of the team's like, yeah, we really don't think that's a good call. I think we're going to go, we're going to line up, and we're going to do a, we're going to run a passing play. 
So the quarterback, they, he calls, he hikes, they hike the ball, and he turns around to give it to the, to the running back, but he's not there because he's running off on a, on a pass play. And the line, you know, the linemen are backing up, trying to think he's going to drop back into the pocket while there's no pocket, right? And he's not moving. And so they trip, and the play fails. They're not unified. It's not going to work. They do that enough times, guess what? They're no longer going to be a football team, right? And so we have to be unified. It's critical to our success and our continuation. Lastly, I want, to see, I want you to see that our unity is our priority because it is critical to our witness. And again, this goes along with our success. If we're going to make disciples, then what do we make? We're not making disciples of me. We're not making disciples of Paul. We're making disciples of Christ. If we want them to believe in Christ, then we have to be unified. Turn with me to John chapter 17. Uh, this is Christ's prayer. It's a prayer for us. He prays specifically for us, for those who are going to believe through their word, all right? It's a prayer for us, and it's the, it's the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he gets arrested. And I want you to see this because, again, I believe unity is Christ's priority because if you're, you're, you know you're about ready to be crucified and you're leaving this earth, what are you going to pray for? You're going to pray for stuff that's important to you, right? And so Christ prays for our unity. And it's a beautiful prayer. And I don't have time to read the whole thing. But I, I want you to see, and I want to uh, begin in uh, verse 20. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, those who are present, but also those, for who, uh, those who will believe in me through uh, their word. All right, that's us. He's praying specifically for us. And what does he pray? Verse 21, he says, that they may be one, unified. And he goes on, he says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. He's praying for our unity, the Trinity, undivisible, completely unified, no sense of division there at all. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to be completely unified. Just as Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ, he wants us to be in them, completely unified, no division, unified in purpose, unified in thought, unified in love. All right? And why? He continues on. That they... um, uh, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That the world may know. How is the world going to know that Christ is the Messiah and that he came and he died for them? It's going to happen because we're unified in purpose. We're unified in love. It's the only way that's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, and I stand before my Lord and Savior, I don't want to have to answer why I was divisive. Why I was arguing about coffee or color and not being unified and going forward in his purpose. 
look, we make the mistake all the time. And this funny little article did it. They raise something that is unimportant, and they try and make it spiritual, right? Coffee, who knew coffee was spiritual? And if it, it represents, you know, everybody together in one pot, right? We do this all the time. We must be unified behind Christ and his purpose and his love. It is critical to our witness. And how many people are have given up on church and say, I want nothing to do with church. All they do is fight and bicker. That is an indictment against us. And I, want to, I just want to say, we have a wonderful church because we are unified. From the staff on down, we are unified. And we want you to join us, Right? We want you to join us in accomplishing God's purpose. We need you to join us in accomplishing God's purpose. We can't do it on our own. And Emmanuel is an incredibly unified church. And it is a blessing. But we make it our priority. It doesn't, it's not something that just happens here. It's something that we work at. Because we are a church of sinners. And we sin against each other. And we all have our opinions and things that we would like to see and things that we would do differently. But I, I can't preach about unity and not tell you how we can keep unity because there's lots in the Scripture that tells us about how to keep unity. Again, Paul writes many times, many things. And the first thing I want you to see is we have to pray for unity. Jesus Christ prayed for unity. We should pray for unity. It's not something that's just going to happen. We have to pray for it. It's a prayer that God will honor. Secondly, um, turn with me to Philippians 2. Paul, writing to the church at Philippians, he says this uh, in chapter 2, verse 2. Or we'll begin in verse 1. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... And of course there is. He says, complete my joy. And how are we to do that? He says, by being of the same mind, being unified, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Be unified is what he's saying here. Go forward in unity. And then he gives us ideas on how to do that. He says, um, of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. You want to have unity? Check your motive. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it to bring glory to yourself or are you doing it to bring glory to God? Right? Check your motives. Don't do anything from rivalry or conceit. Don't do anything to build yourself up. Build the kingdom up. Again, Emmanuel is a, is a, a unique church. We are kingdom-minded. We send uh, money to other churches. We supported a church plant across town because we're kingdom-minded. We're not building a kingdom, the Emmanuel kingdom. We're building God's kingdom, all right? So do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Secondly, uh, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. How do you view other people? Are you the most po- when you walk into the room, are you the most important person in the room? Are you the only one that matters? Is your opinion the only one that matters? No, count other people more important than yourself. 
That's how you build unity. And lastly, he says, look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Are you, looking out for the, are you looking out for others? Are you looking out just for yourself to get what you can get? This is how we maintain unity, and it's work. It's not something that just happens. We pray for it. We look out for others. We, do, we check our motives, why we do what we do, and we, we're humble. We recognize that we're not the most important person. This is why unity is our priority. Christ died for our unity. Thomas Brooks was a, a Puritan pastor in the 1700s. And here's, what he's, here's a quote from him. He says, Discord and division become no Christian. For wolves to worry the lambs is no wonder. But for one lamb to worry another, this is unnatural and monstrous. It's unnatural and monstrous. Christ died for our unity. Let's strive for unity. Let's strive for unity with one another. And that begins when we are unified with Christ, with God, in his purpose. If we're all striving to bring glory to God, there'll be no disunity. And we will be successful in our mission to make disciples. I'm going to ask you to close your heads, or close your eyes. Close your heads. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to what you heard today. I'm going to ask you, are you, uh, are you a unifier? Do you do these things? Do you pray for the unity of our church? Do you pray uh, for the unity of the church universal? When you come to church, are you, and, and you want to do something, are you coming because you want to be built up or because you want to build somebody else up? Or you want to be unified because God it's God's purpose. You want to glorify God. Do you count others as more important than yourself? Are you looking out for the interests of others? I want you to make a commitment today. In a few minutes, we're going to have a, a time to fill out the response card. And I just want you to, if God is speaking to you, I want you to say, I will pray for the unity of the church. Yeah. I will be a unifier. I will look out for the interests of others. I will be humble. I will check my motives. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ and his sacrifice so that we could be reunified with you and bring you glory. You are the only one worthy of our honor, our praise, and our glory. And we ask that you would forgive us of those times where we step outside of your design and your purpose and we seek glory for ourselves. Or we live outside of your design. We pray that you would remove those parts of our heart so that we could be unified, God. Teach us to love one another. Teach us to count others more important than ourselves. Teach us to be humble. Father, may our, our only motive ever be to glorify you in everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we say. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now you know why we love having Pastor Steve as our executive pastor. We love his heart, we love his passion, we love his drive, and uh, I hope that you too will join us in our commitment to be unified in Christ to our mission.
Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.